You guys ready for episode 167? Well, we already dropped it. Uh, my mistake. <laughs> you guys ready for episode 168 of the Training for Ultra podcast? We have Emily Howgood on. She is just a unique character. I love a lot of her drive and motivation. And I'm calling this episode Never Give Up on Your Dreams. This is an elite level runner that went after a golden ticket repeatedly, was not getting it, was not executing race day, and she finally did. I can't wait to share this episode with you. It's a really cool one. Um, I am Emily Holgood, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. You're a great cause. Oh, thanks. I respect that, man, so keep doing what you do, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Train for Ultra podcast. We've got Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. And big thank you to you Patreon supporters. Excited to put your name right here. And just, I couldn't do the show without you. And then Exoskin, if you haven't tried them out, just really solid gear. They make socks, toe socks, underwear now, compression bottoms, shirts, hats, sleeves, you name it. And it's all really high tech, really high quality and I use it in my own races because I truly believe in the product. So if you want to try it out, feel free to use the promo code T, the number 4U20, for 20% off now. It might change over time. It will hopefully be the best code available for you. And I'll put that code right on the screen there for you. But big thank you to Exoskin. Big thank you to you Patreon supporters. And just hopefully you enjoy this episode. Emily, thank you for joining me. I'm blown away at uh, everything you've done throughout COVID prior, but I saw that you had done, what was it? It was, I'll, I'll probably have to start over, cut this out. <laughs> okay. It was Black Canyon. What, what was the first race? I, Bandera. I Bandera. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, I saw that you did bandera black canyon like back-to-back months and at Mm -hmm. an extremely high level and i was just completely blown away having done that from middle of the pack i just can't imagine uh what you've been through and then you threw in another race a month or two later at a very high level to get you into western states but thank you for joining me I, i can't wait to hear more about your background yeah awesome thank you it's been quite the adventure um, learned a lot, <laughs> tested a lot of the human body, um, and it's been kind of exciting. Uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting start to 2021. So where where are you originally from? I don't know if I have any friends 
from this country. Uh, it's just fascinating. I, I want to hear more about where you grew up. Cool. Um, so I'm from Zimbabwe. And yeah, I'm your first Zimbabwean friend then. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's landlocked in like South Africa, correct? Right, correct. And, and how long were you there for? Did you did you grow up there throughout childhood or were you just born there and moved around? Yeah, so South Africa is just one of the countries and then we're outside like um, Zambia, uh, Namibia and stuff. They're all around there too. Um, but I grew up there, was born and raised and only left to come over for college to the U.S. Wow. Yeah. So... Were you a runner in Zimbabwe? Is it is it? How you say it? <laughs> That's how I say it. <laughs> People say it differently. You're right, either way. But were um, you running? Were you running back then in middle school and high school, or, or what was that like? I'm assuming it's more of a track background. Um. Yes. Yeah, so I, I I was uh I went to boarding school at the age of five, and we did every sport in the book. And so running was very much a part of that. Um, and we did cross country and track and I did it all the way through high school. And then I actually did like a few half marathons and stuff. And our cross country was a lot different to here. So we actually ran like trails in the bush for our cross country. Cross country. Yeah, wow. it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I actually the things you must foot. have seen on those trails. Like we complain <laughs> about little snakes here in Colorado. Like I cannot imagine. Yeah. Luckily for us with like, I don't know, 50 to 100 kids running through the bush, the snakes jump out of the way. <laughs> I mean, okay. I just have to ask, like, what's the craziest wildlife encounter growing up doing cross country? Like, did you ever come across anything or, I mean, were you, were you middle of the pack like me um, back then and everyone had already scared <laughs> off everything or were you like, selling one um, of your books? Think... That's two part question. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. I think, I'm pretty sure we've run into like uh, giraffes and zebras and things because some of the game parks, like we're right by the schools. And so they would take us through that area. Uh, I don't know if I run into a snake like on a cross country meet or, you know, uh, yeah. event. And I, I've, I've been, I've, I've been able to hold my own <laughs> in cross country, which is really fun. Uh, probably the fun front of the pack in terms of like our school team and stuff. I loved it. I had one friend who really pushed me a lot. She's a big triathlete and her name was Laurel. And we always, like pushed each other but she always pipped me at the end so <laughs> that was exciting i mean i've i've encountered some wildlife uh never like elephants or zebras or giraffes so that's that's just kind of a cool perspective that you bring um what yeah i mean so i'm assuming college brought you to the states or did you come over prior um, no, yeah, I just came over for college. I visited a few years before, um, just with a global young leaders conference thing. And I just went to New York and Washington, but I loved like America and American people and just like the opportunities here are a world above 
where I'm from or a few worlds. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I came over for my undergraduate and I went to the College of Idaho over in Idaho. Um, and then I'm currently just finishing up my master's degree in Gunnison, Colorado at Western Colorado University. I actually graduate on Saturday. Congrats. I mean, I don't think we're allowed to talk about Idaho. I don't want people to know how stunningly beautiful it is and how good the trails are out there. Because honestly, I have not been there yet, but uh, (laughs) I've seen pictures. I've heard stories. I've looked at races out there and it's just like, I thought they just grew potatoes in Idaho. And yeah, that's uh, all we, that's all we do. It's flat. There's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So so did running get you to Idaho State? Is that right? Or which college was it? Again, I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, the College of Idaho. College and of Idaho. Okay. Yeah. And no, actually just school. And then I walked on to the cross-country and track team. And I actually also swam through college. I mean, I, I've heard stories of Zimbabwe swimmers. So that's that's really <laughs> It's interesting. So you were almost a triathlete in college in a sense. Were you biking also or? So I wasn't, but I actually in the summers would do Ironman triathlons. <laughs> so yes. Just for fun. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> I thought that was going to be my sport. <laughs> I think this sport's going to welcome you with open arms. That's for sure. I mean, if we haven't already. Um, yeah, but you. I mean, so you're doing that throughout college. Um, tell me about like the events in track and field that you're doing and, and how was that going? Were you like finding success as you walk on? Um, I mean, I definitely wasn't front of the pack. I used my whole four years really well with my coaches. Um, like my senior year was my best year out of all four. And I just loved it. I loved the team environment. I, I would have run as far as possible. So like the furthest events out there. Um, I started out, I mean, with the 1,500, 3,000, and then I really settled into the 5,000, 10,000. And then in the NAIA, we actually have the marathon. So I did that for nationals my senior year. Um, wow. And that was probably my most successful event distance. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Um, I mean, I wish I had found running in college and like really took to it i there's no way i would have made a team but um even division three would have laughed me off but um no (laughs) (laughs) that's so what was it about the longer distances that you were both excelling at but also it seems like you're enjoying yeah i loved them and i felt like there was enough time to like dig into you know the mental side of things and um really grit your way through some things too and um that kind of I always my whole life like even in swimming and stuff my dad would always say to me like oh you just needed a couple more meters to you know catch that girl or whatever um and so that kind of became the common theme and I just I really loved yeah the distance stuff and just having more time I knew I know in running running further um you just there's a lot of things that can go wrong but there's also a lot of ways or time to fix things and so that distance just gives you the extra opportunities <laughs> to figure it just out. Like, <laughs> just like life, just like life. Right. With <laughs> exactly. a little longer, you can, you can, yeah, go a lot of different directions. Um, 
Yeah. So were your parents endurance athletes at all? I'm just, um, I'm trying to figure out what, where this drive comes from that like, no one's telling you to do this stuff. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. come over here to just study and you're pushing yourself into national events. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really just have a passion for it for sure. But um, my parents, my dad was a swimmer all the way through his life. And then my mom has run and played field hockey and they both like run and walk now too. So they, they love it too. They love being outside and grew up on a farm. So maybe that had some <laughs> passion to it. Played in the puddles when I was like five running behind my mom and uh, with all our dogs and stuff, we have seven dogs on the farm. So Jeez. it's quite the crew. <laughs> I, I would make a joke, but, uh, you know, I think <laughs> we're, we're not, we're, my kids are begging for one dog and uh, I'm not going to let them listen to this episode or watch it. Um, yeah, just, just mute it when it gets to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was possible. You can own seven dogs like um, and a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> um what was it like to close out senior year of college like on a high note it seems like because a lot of times college athletes are pushed to breaking point at least the ones i talk to that find themselves on the trail where the college running experience wasn't necessarily like how most of us think of running because 99% of us are amateur. We do this because we enjoy it, keeps us healthy. Where college runners, a lot of times, are almost doing it, doing whatever their coach says. They trust them and then they end up breaking and not enjoying running. Um, right. But it seems like you ended on a high note. Is that a good assessment? Yeah, I think I didn't have the best coaches throughout like high school. And so, or just, I mean, they had a lot of kids to look after because <laughs> we were at boarding school. And so the, just the time and attention wasn't there. And so I think that is where my drive kind of started was I really wanted to do well. And I knew I needed to focus on more things like, you know, whether it was running more miles or, you know, doing little strength things or something like that. And so I, I pushed myself for a long time uh, independently. And then when I came to college, I actually struggled to trust my coach right off the bat in college. Um, and I also, I came to college and started wearing shoes too. I ran barefoot before I came over. What? And so, That's <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. Oh and, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so then I think there's a lot of like confounding variables, um, but I got injured my freshman year. Um, I actually didn't run cross the first year because I was on the swim team and we were nervous that being a freshman in college and doing two sports would be too much. Um, but I walked on in the spring and then never left. I was there at 7 a.m. for the first practice. I was so excited to run. But I got injured that first track season, got shin splints pretty bad. And then like really learned to trust my coach and trust everything he had in plan in place. And yeah, he had always said from the beginning that it was about the four-year program. It wasn't about year one or year two. And it just played out like that. And I ran a PR for every race I ran that season in track. And had, uh, yeah, except <laughs> for the 10K at conference. 
and, and it was because I ran the five. Oh no, the five k conference. Ran multiple because, events. <laughs> but the day before, I'd run the ten k and ran a PR in the five. You know, the five k. No, the no excuses. No excuses. I know. I know. I failed. <laughs> you, you took it out too hard. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. it was just a really cool experience. So, do you think when? freshman year you had those shin splints was that more a ramping on miles or was that i mean i can't help but kind of go to born to run and like did shoes cause that i know um i i had a problem with the shoes for sure i I just wasn't used to it i think i didn't have a pair that had enough cushioning and so going from you know running barefoot but not running on the roads barefoot and then suddenly you know, running on the loads, roads a lot more just to and from like the track or to the gravel trails. I think that all kind of played a part in it. And my feet were just not used to, you know, having the shoes on, but also running probably that many miles as well. So it was probably a combination of all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Well, how was yeah. the difference in altitude? Is Idaho uh, like where you were It's probably a little higher up, right? It was actually lower. So uh, even okay. though we're from the flattest part of Zimbabwe, it's 4,200 feet over there. Wow. And then, yeah. And then Idaho is just under 3,000 feet. Okay. Where That's interesting. <laughs> and so when you graduated, what direction did you want to take things? Because you're excelling at the marathon. You can actually make a living as a marathoner. Right. Trail running is <laughs> a, little, a little harder. It's definitely like a, a higher level caliber athlete that can exist as a trail runner, as a profession. Um, like, had you thought about going that direction? Like where, where were you thinking? Uh, following so, I had, college? so I had my heart like on the Ironman distance. Um, I really wanted to make it to Kona. That's where the world championships are. And each time I raced, I kept missing it by a slot. Like they give a certain number of slots per age group and, we were the smallest age group. So we would only get one slot and the girl hit, you know, the girls ahead of me would always pick them up. And so I did an Ironman as I graduated in like the August of that. And I'd had this idea. I didn't like the bike as much. I didn't like being out on the roads and with all the trucks and everything like that. And you're on your bike for a long time, um, getting those miles in, but I had, yeah, I had an idea of doing the marathon. One of my coaches, I chatted about, you know, potentially co- having him coach me post and get into the marathon distance to, you know, like ultimately make it to like the Olympics or something. And I definitely had those thoughts and dreams, um, but wanted to see how far the Ironman triathlon would take me. And then after that Ironman, I did up in Coeur Lane in Idaho. I went to a wedding for one of my friends and my current coach was her coach in high school. And we met at her wedding. He told me like what he did. And I just come off this Ironman and I hadn't enjoyed the biking at all. And my heart kind of just jumped at this possibility that running in the mountains full time was a, (laughs) was a thing I could, you know, escape people and cars and trucks and (laughs) didn't have to sit on my bike for six hours a day yeah so I asked if I could do that (laughs) and I mean was school like was 
pursuing school also in your mind at the time, like to combine those two, or were you just going to focus on running? I think I was going to continue. I kind of was at this point. So now visa like system is in the nationals. We get a year of work experience after every like degree we get. And I really wanted to take advantage of that. And so I actually coached at the college I was at for that year as I was starting out trail running. And then the opportunity just came up to go to grad school and be in the States for a little while longer too. And so it all kind of combined and came together really well, which was awesome. I mean, I, I want to ask just all these, all these random questions. We'll get to like ultra <laughs> awesome. and trails later. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like just going from growing up every day running with like just crazy wildlife to then, I mean, you're probably in a, beautiful part of the state and the trails are stunning but still it's like such a culture shock and shift I mean were you were you looking to stay in that state or what what like piqued your interest in um you know moving yeah so I was specifically looking at exercise physiology programs when I left Idaho and I, I was running the Skyrunning World Series over in Europe for um, after my visa like expired. And so I got to, you know, like travel the world. But from the moment I came for college to Idaho, I kind of have like a cool story too about how I got there. I, I arrived, like landed, my freshman roommate picked me up and I just felt at home, which was kind of wild. Like I've traveled a lot of the world and that uncomfortable feeling of not being in the right place was very prevalent in a lot of places. But for me in Idaho, like I felt right at home was farming community and the people were amazing. And I was just accepted right, you know, right away and at a small school just got fully involved and loved it, loved it all. And so Idaho definitely holds a very special place in my heart. And so for grad school, I actually looked at a program up in Bozeman, Montana, and then had some miscommunication with one of the professors who was going to be in my advisor. You have to have like a direct advisor for grad school up there. And he was going on sabbatical, but I just didn't have the extra year to wait to get into school. And so I found this program up here, which is kind of unique. It has a high altitude aspect to it. So it's actually the high altitude exercise physiology program up here. And that kind of just sounded exciting and being up in the mountains and experience el- experiencing altitude, but also like getting to put into practice what I was learning in the classroom on the trails out here. It, was, it is really beautiful and a small program too. So that made it exciting. <laughs> I mean, you had pretty quick success in trail running, right? Following graduation, when you're traveling, you were doing sky running in highly competitive races. Uh, What was it like to be able to transition and have that success and then have the confidence to continue on trails and, and, you know, pursue this program? Yeah. So throughout like high school and junior school, as much as I said, I did well, you know, in swimming, I was definitely a back of the pack person been a mid mid pack person or an average like player athlete all round so not really focusing on anything and then to finally like focus on something 
and excel yeah like right off the bat was really fun I, I think it was just a cool not kind of reward for all the years of like being the back of the pack athlete but still showing up but like putting in the miles and putting in the effort and learning things so like having a Ironman background I could bring all that nutrition information into the trail running world and I'd been on you know my feet for hours and things like that so that all I knew after like running a few of the races like all that background and endurance and just time outside was really gonna help me move forward in the trail running world yeah I mean, so what, it was what were exciting. what were <laughs> typical training weeks for you like to show up at I don't know, uh, some of those massive international sky races, like, are you doing 60 mile weeks? Did college bring a hundred mile weeks? Like what, what would be kind of a peak out week or two so, for you? So it's been super nice. I'd never had 25? to like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. I've never had to really pay attention to that. Cause my coaches have always been amazing. Like my coach for uh, trail running for sure. Poland, um, I kind of just let him do the hard work and I just wake up in the morning, see what I have on the schedule and get it done. <laughs> but with sky racing, it's a lot more technical. And so the miles aren't there. Like the longest we had was a 75 K I think race. And you know, the shortest is a 21, but those are taking you four or five. Well, the 21 is taking you still like five hours to do because it's technical, a lot of vert, um, and so that was kind of exciting to learn the mountains and then test like the technical stuff and you gain confidence in that. And yeah, training weeks, I don't think we're ever a lot bigger than like 60 miles. I, I'm sure we did some bigger ones and I could go back and look, but I never paid attention. Just let my coach do the hard work. <laughs> yeah, just 60 miles and what, 20 5,000 feet of gain or right. something just <laughs> no. completely vertical. Yeah. Um, I mean, were you injury prone at all as you transitioned to these just really challenging type conditions and trails for training? No, honestly, I think with, you know, running the marathon at the end of the Ironman and stuff like that, like that's a lot more intense on the body than these just in terms of like impact. And I was, I was a swimmer. So it was really nice to include that in my training coming into the trail world and kind of balancing that out. I think that helped a lot, just taking the impact off the legs often and uh, just really, yeah, like trusting my coach in that, you know, days off with days off, <laughs> put the feet yeah. up, <laughs> chill, or then mixing in that swim workout as cross training. Yeah. So that's, no, I think that's hard. Even, really good. <laughs> even for like a, a middle of the pack guy learning to just chill out on rest days and mm -hmm. enjoy them as much as you're enjoying your training. That actually takes practice. It's kind of, it's interesting that you brought that up because most, yeah. most elites never mention that. Like okay. they actually <laughs> put their feet up. You're allowed to do that. Wait, we're paying you <laughs> to run for us. Um, right. We actually uh, suggest it. <laughs> um, so how is 2020 like transitioned into 2021 for you? Because it seems like, again, I haven't talked to many people that have done 
consecutive like elite level hundred Ks that are also packed fields trying to get golden tickets in the Western States. I want to hear kind of thought process. Like I want to hear more about your first hundred miler. Um, and COVID has been rough for a lot of us. Um, I, I think for me, it was honestly the biggest blessing because I had two years of, you know, back-to-back races pretty much with the sky running world series. And as much as that was their shorter races and more technical and things like that, they were still back-to-back races in Europe traveling. Like it was a lot. Um, I was away from people and people I knew for a long time, um, just bouncing from race to race. And like, I would have that community for race week, but then I was on my own for, you know, weeks at a time. And so honestly, having the excuse to just stay in one place and play in the mountains and not focus on having to race, like really let the body recover, but still do a bunch of, you know, fun stuff, like explore and see new mountains and get some peaks and things like that. Like that was the biggest blessing and running. I'm tough, which is the hundred miler you're talking about was a really cool transition off of that because it is a very big, um, hundred miler. It's not fast. There's a lot of technicality to it. Um, you experience a lot of, um, temperature variation and things like that. So it was just like playing in the mountains just for a longer time um time period hold it up it's it's like almost a run rabbit run right uh, in terms of (laughs) it's probably more wild but it's 104 type miles ish 104 ish and then it's like 107 107 (laughs) and then 20,000 plus feet of gain is Mm -hmm. that correct yep and yeah like like you said like pretty remote (laughs) so i mean what what made you go after this? And I do find I could probably spend a whole episode talking about you traveling and being lonely traveling because it, it's normally not something I would associate like together there. But um, <laughs> what made you go after this hundred miler? Why a hundred? Why not a hundred k? Yeah, so it was all part of the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I um I wanted to go for Western States this year 2021 um that was kind of the goal from early on i had spent a lot of time talking with my coach paul about it and that was kind of the goal he didn't want to start me out on the 100 mile distance too early um i'm still you know a young athlete and so being smart and as you said before not burning out which happens in track athletes but it actually happens in a lot of mountain athletes too especially the ones starting out with the long distances for you know consecutive years that's a lot of training on the body too and mind and uh i was going to run UTMB that's that was the race i had enough points put in and uh was going to run that in 2020 and then it got canceled and i really wanted to still run the distance and get the experience before potentially running western states and Idaho, I was in Idaho at the time and I saw, you know, I'm tough was on the schedule and it was potentially going to be the first race, like opening up after COVID I'd had teammates race it and just had cool stories from it. 
And that's, you know, I love that type of environment. And like I said before, like the grind or the grit of getting through like tough situations. And so I jumped at the opportunity, signed up as soon as I heard UTMB was canceled. And then I raced it. So prior to that race, what was your longest race or longest long run? I had 18 hours in the mountains one day as a training run. Um, that was my biggest day. <laughs> That's some serious training right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Um, it, that's amazing. And so when you show up on the start line there, what's running through your head? You probably gained a lot of confidence doing an 18 hour effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think just knowing your body could still move forward at 18 hours, even though it was pretty crazy. And I did it completely on my own. It was more of like a playing day in the mountains too. So I didn't get like a ton of miles for 18 hours, but I got a lot of vert and I saw a lot of cool places freaked my myself out on like you know cliffs and things <laughs> um so it was a really big day and mentally by the end I was exhausted but I did it all by myself you know carried as much food as I could ran out of water a couple times and then suddenly I was standing on the start line where I was going to see a crew every 20 miles at least and it didn't seem that intimidating after yeah kind of doing all the training what was like what was the lowest day. point um during on top like were you did you have a three mile stretch where you were in the abyss or like tell me about maybe one of the low points and then also i got to hear did you see any like crazy wildlife because it looks remote you have to have come across something <laughs> yeah so it was really remote and the wildlife we heard the elk bugling because it's around the rut time so that was beautiful and amazing um but we didn't actually see anything crazy i don't think so there's I, mountain lions in that area right 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 <laughs> yeah and people have said that they've run like into mountain lions or felt mountain lions like still yeah when you him. don't see wildlife <laughs> and you're in a remote area you're a little nervous <laughs> there's, a, there's a major predator in that area <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I was followed by something, but I think in that distance of a race and that, you know, big race, there was definitely a few low moments, but the biggest one was you have a 3000 foot climb out of like mile 81 aid station. And I was like, just kind of out of it at that point, you know, you can't really make decisions when you've been running that long. And there's just a lot, you know, going on. The course was a lot of miles longer than we had thought. <laughs> it was the first year of running that course because we had to change it with a fire and COVID and things like that. So extra 10k. Yeah, right, right. You do that in half an hour, is, probably, or something crazy. <laughs> two hours on a on a hundred miler, though. <laughs> so it was a little a little more <laughs> um but I had a 3,000 foot climb and I didn't take enough calories with me I had like my crew had asked me what I wanted when I got to the aid station and I just couldn't make decisions and nothing looked good and so I ran out of there with like three baby boiled potatoes for a 3,000 foot climb I actually handed a mountain house that meal like to one, my coach right. one per thousand one per thousand, just 12 miles on three potatoes, 80 miles into a race. 
yeah, not smart. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> so it was bad. It was bad. I was like one point definitely sitting down. <laughs> Just feeling You're not allowed to say that. And- You're not allowed to say that. I I I tried to take all the blame for sitting down and laying down on trails and stuff. Um okay. <laughs> the elites aren't allowed to sit down. Um yeah. <laughs> but what was going through your head? You're like looking down, you're like were you questioning whether you're going to finish or were you just like, I got to wait for my body to cycle through this or, or what was going through your head at that moment when you're sitting on the trail yeah. as a professional athlete? Right. I think it was kind of a, holy crap, I feel terrible. This is going to take everything I have to keep moving. Um, the, the thought of like dropping out never crossed my mind. I think like being caught by the next girl coming up um, and things like that were probably a little more on my mind than dropping. Um, I knew I could do it. I just wanted, I really wanted to be able to do it like at a strong effort. (laughs) Yeah. And it was definitely a constant, like get yourself through this. I had a pacer by that point. So that was really helpful just in terms of, I mean, you're not running very much at that point in a big race like that. And so we laugh often that he would say, okay, Em, time for a little jog. (laughs) And it would be like (laughs) three steps. (laughs) I mean, you just have to run for the cameraman. Like if you see camera, you know, cameras on course, that's when your your form looks good. And it looks great. Yep. Back to walking (laughs) after that or power hiking. Um, (laughs) so that race must've given you confidence. You must've learned enough to then apply it to Bandera. And again, I have never, there's not many, uh, athletes of your caliber doing Bandera, Black Canyon, and then Canyons, 100K. Mm -hmm. And I've joked that that should be like a, like a challenge, but it's just, (laughs) it's so competitive to even get into those these days because of, Mm -hmm everyone wanting the qualifiers and the golden tickets. Um, What lessons did you then apply at Bandera 100K? Um, I learned a lot of Bandera too. I messed up. I screwed up my quads too early in the race on the technical parts. Um, But from I'm Tough, I think the fueling was a big thing for me. Uh, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that was probably Honestly. the biggest fueling hydration. Yeah, I carried that into Bandera, Black Canyon, and Canyons. Um, how, it was how did hydration, hydration go? Because Bandera, it comes across as like probably a desert race, but when you show mm-hmm. up, it's actually really humid. Um, yeah. But the trail itself is rocky and technical. Um, mm-hmm. Like, are you just constantly dripping in hydration and then that allows you to fuel however you need yeah so i've i've actually been i mean as as long as you've been doing this thing i think you try things out all the time and one thing works on a hot day which doesn't work on a cold day and vice versa and things like that so bandera ended up being a pretty cold day um out there which probably helped a lot because you didn't need as much fluid um because it was cooler like you said the humidity and stuff wasn't as um prevalent and 
yeah, I do. I carry, obviously carry water with me and try and, you know, take it in as much as possible. I was using tailwind at that point and then getting to the aid stations and, you know, drinking water. And then by the end of the race, downing a seven up to get some sugar rush. Um, but yeah, constantly on the water and tailwind at that point, which changed over time to canyons too. So <laughs> that makes sense. That's why you blew out your quads because it was a cooler day. You could probably push harder. Um, yeah. It was so fun. The technical part is awesome. And it's right at the beginning. <laughs> was that, was, which course was that? Was that a, a different course or was that the original course? Original. So the two okay. loops. Yeah. Yeah. The little drop downs. And then yeah. those are, those are wild. That first little so out cool. and back, <laughs> the lollipop yeah, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some very, very good runners just bite it hard on that descent down like mile two or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's rough. <laughs> and so what, I mean, tell me like, how did the, uh, what was the end result there? Like what place did you take? Did you, you're going for a golden ticket, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually got third, <laughs> which was so close, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, it was, it was amazing. Like it was a really competitive day, um, went out too fast just and crushed my quads. And so pretty much just had to hold on for the podium place. That was how the day yeah. ended. <laughs> How many, how many times did you miss Kona by one spot? Mm, So once in the half distance and then twice in the full distance. Wow. That's ironic. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, you seem to just be, well, you're feeling good enough to then go for black Canyon under day. Um, yeah, I mean, typically the turnaround on recovery for, someone taking third is a little bit Mm -hmm. extended and maybe they'll look at canyons under K, but you're going at it. I I saw that as like an endurance feat just for middle of the pack finishing. And these are like 14 hour type hundred K's for me. Um, But you're able to hit the start line for black Canyon hundred K. How was, how was that process getting prepared to go right back at it? I think we learned a lot like me and my coach about like recovery and getting back at it. Um, I, we probably didn't put in as much time in recovery as, I mean, definitely as much as we would have liked, but as much as we should have, like maybe even taking that full first week just to put the feet up and keep mobility and strength going, but completely chill. Like I, I know I ran pretty, soon after. And I felt fine. Um, I mean, I'd had that whole year pretty much rest before. Um, but what was making my coach nervous was not actually that race, but the time afterwards and just, you know, having another hundred K on the legs and being nervous about that. We wouldn't do that again. I don't think, I think we would pick one and then have canyons as the backup. Pretty high risk Um, normally. Um, but it seems like I mean, Black Canyon's 100K is gorgeous race. Air Viper puts it on. It's one of my favorite. I'm signed up for next year, going for a golden ticket, of course. Um, Yes. (laughs) Those those rollers always get me. It's like, 
mile 15 to 20 downhill. I'm thinking about your quads that just got blown up at Bandera. I mean, did you hold back at all this time? Like, tell me about that. Like, a, a few more of the details of that race. Yeah, well, I was a lot smarter by then. And so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't crush my quads at the start. Um, but I actually had a like pretty nasty fall eight miles in, I think, and uh, like had a just compression impact, fell on a rock on the top of my quad. Um, and so the mind shift at that race kind of changed a little, like I was really fighting still for the golden ticket, but I I was in a lot of pain, um, throughout the whole race, just because where I fell on my quad, um, went, you know, is where every muscle movement of, um, the leg goes through. And so it just became a, like, you know, fight as strong as you can keep running. And I think at that point it was like hoping girls ahead of me might, uh, you know, uh, die up ahead and kind of have some issues. And, you know, hopefully if I got close enough, I could maybe squeeze Um, a ticket. (laughs) Never never a good point in the race when you're like hoping for like failure ahead of you. (laughs) I I haven't heard of that really working out too well. Um, What place did you take there? seventh seventh yeah and so what was it like on the flight home or the drive home from from that event like do you feel like that was a missed opportunity or are you feeling down or are you just thinking that was bad luck on the rock and i'll just try it again yeah exactly i definitely it was just a you know shit happens type moment i felt 100 percent confident on the line and was feeling really strong with the girls up front. Yeah, like it was a great start to the day. Um, and then, yeah, hitting it. I think the biggest thing was that I just, I knew I'd put another 62 miles of racing on my legs and hadn't got the ticket yet. And so that was just a little bit like, ah, uh, dang. <laughs> I mean, was but, Kona in the back of your head here? Like you're 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 missing yeah. these by like fractions right. each time and it's like <laughs> um like yeah, it, it think... would probably be hard not to get down about this like you know you just keep just missing these like i i'm impressed that you just keep going after them <laughs> thank you yeah. um i think it definitely played in my mind of just like this isn't the first time it's happened i haven't missed things by this close for you know that time like this was really funny actually because the first iron man which was like 12 hours um i missed it by 20 seconds like the goal ahead of me was only 20 seconds ahead and so that i mean that was like that's extreme really like right there type distance and that i think it gives you more confidence honestly like you know bad things can happen or you know things can happen and there's more opportunity out there and you don't, That's you don't miss them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you have a deep level of belief that you can do this. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what it takes. Cause I mean, if you gave up, I mean, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, seen Canyons hundred K. I mean, tell me about that race. Mm-hmm. We're, 
was your quad feeling better? Because initially, I yeah. the entire mm-hmm. run back, I'd be like, oh, I definitely have a minor like fraction or something. Like, uh, I'd be paranoid about did I tear <laughs> the muscle? Like, right. was there any recovery period like specific to that impact? And then how was it getting to uh, Canyon's Thunder K? Yeah. So immediately after Black Canyon, I went to the ER because I'm an exercise physiologist and I was running through the whole race. I was running through things that I could have done and could have messed up. But the fact that I was running on it and my coach didn't notice that I'd hurt myself that bad was a good indication that I was doing okay. So whatever happened, I could deal with at the end. Um, and the ER doctors were like, well, this is the first time we've ever said this, but it was probably a good thing you kept running because you, I'm not worried about like hematomas and things like that. Um, but my, my quad was pretty messed up. Um, huge bruise, like the whole thing from knee to, you know, top of the leg, um, which was pretty amazing (laughs) to see. Um, so that first, first week I walked every day, but otherwise it was like immediately, you know, ice everywhere (laughs) just attached to my leg pretty much trying to get the swelling down couldn't wear my jeans like it was that swollen Um, recovery was very much the focus Um, but also keeping blood movement going through and just making sure nothing else was out of whack for like compensating that at all and that worked really really well Um, I had I have a strength coach too Pat McCurry and he was very good at working with me through that, just keeping that mobility there. Um, He's having yeah, you do just... squats <laughs> next week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so my um, my but... rule of thumb is like, if my gait changes, that's when I pull the plug because I feel okay. like good. Cool. Probably like cartilage can get, you know, worn off mm-hmm. if you're like way out of alignment with that stuff. I exactly. I'm not a professional. I don't know. Um, but that's, the rule of thumb I always use. Um, yeah, that's it. Sounds really like true. your gait, your gait was pretty normal. Yeah, and I, I think that was the focus as I was making sure I was picking up, you know, right and left feet the same way, making sure. And like, if I ever was like starting to limp or anything, it was like the pain is better now. Like, if you run on this, then the consequences after of changing your gait, like you said, wearing out cottage, things like that. But I never really carried any of that into canyons in terms of like fear or anything. I think maybe the mental strength of that I could run through a lot of uncomfortableness <laughs> was there. Um, but no fear, you know, I, that was a once off thing. It sucked, but. You did 107 miles and it was on a really hard course. So these hundred K's like, it seems like you mentally reframe them and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it's almost like cheating. I get to do half, like half of what like a harder effort, (laughs) a 25 hour effort is like, um, I mean, it seems like, cause you, you must have some, do you think you had a mental breakthrough from that experience and then applying it to these golden ticket races? Yeah, I think like, but pretty much like my whole life has been mental breakthroughs of dealing with things and, you know, figuring things out, traveling the world by myself, you know, there's, but there's a lot of other things that have played into it and, um, through life, I think, 
And so that was just kind of another little piece to the <laughs> piece of the pie <laughs> that it would, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So how did that race go for you? Canyons? Yeah. It was awesome. It was so intense. <laughs> I mean, stepping up to the start line, like everyone's like, this is the most competitive field out of all three, you know, da, 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 da. But honestly, I stepped on the line and I was like, everyone's nervous. And I was like, I've done this before. <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> and so that definitely helped having the two under my belt. Like I wasn't afraid to step up to the start line there i knew it was, it wasn't like you probably got a perfect thing. night of sleep right like pretty the much night before you do enough <laughs> yeah. of these i think i've done yeah. like 27 at this point it's just like just another another race like let's go have fun and i mean for yeah. you probably a little different type of fun but mm -hmm. um yeah. so you were calm and you just mm -hmm. do you just run your own race or were you were you racing like were you being uh, like real methodical and yeah like we had a game plan I knew um, if I would have a chance at the ticket it was important to follow that game plan uh, I lucked out that my coach was out there um, with me and could you know kind of see how the field was playing and things like that and give me information on who was ahead because we had two people racing um, who already had golden tickets and so Honestly, they weren't really a part of the race, um, but I had two teammates, Abby Hall and um, <laughs> why am I blanking? <laughs> Taylor Nolan <laughs> with me. And we, I think we made our race so intense, but <laughs> like there was no mercy and we were pushing each other like anything, which was super, super fun. Um, I just joined Adidas Terex and finally racing with the girls was a really exciting day too. So maybe that added to the excitement and the calmness of being out there. Did um, you join after Black Canyon? No, I joined just after I'm tough. Yeah. Okay. Or like, right. well, the beginning of 2021. Yeah. So before Bandera. Got it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a cool day. I mean, I love, you know like the climbing and being out there on that course like those trails hold some special magic and it was just another opportunity you know to run an amazing race this was definitely a little more in my field house being smart was so key in that race and like you said just kind of running my own race but competing with everyone that was around me and making sure I was in a spot to like work hard and make it pay off if need be. And so, I mean, you got the golden ticket. <laughs> you didn't give up. I'm just like, I'm blown away at both the, the Kona being so close. And then these golden tickets so close and you just kept at it and you did it. And I mean, I'm really excited to see how Western States goes for you. Hopefully I'm out there. I don't know if I'll have a film project or not. Um, but it seems like you really like these trails at States. I mean, Canyons has some crossover, correct? To the Western right. States, actual race yeah. trails. I mean, different direction, but <laughs> how are you mentally feeling 
like having gotten a taste of the actual course? Are you going out there for the training runs in May this month, I guess? And um, <laughs> like, how are you feeling about hitting the start line at the Super Bowl of ultra running? Yeah, I mean, I'm like blown away and beyond excited. Um, think like in my personal, you know, own personal journey, it's just had a big impact on me, you know, getting to run three amazing races, but also having this goal kind of in my mind for four years, um, obviously like with the Lind family and stuff, just their connection and their passion and love for those trails too. Um, it's just a special like time or, you know, I think they've just kind of grown that respect I have for those trails and all trails and being in the mountains and what that really means, you know, to so many people, the, the toughness out there, the sweat and the tears and the stories and everything from those races, you know, I managed to like meet Anne Trayson, um, a year ago. Yeah. A couple, you know, a year and a half she's ago. Only, and... She's only won like 14 of those. So I know she's such a badass. <laughs> don't get any, any good tips from her. Um, and yeah, I think, so... is it Cody? I think Cody's racing this year too, which is really cool. I mean, that's a great connection, like Mm -hmm. how they've helped throughout your career and they'll be out there. I'm sure. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're so excited and that's so cool to see and just really special for them. And, um, that's so like a huge respect thing for me is seeing, you know, Cody work so hard to get there too, and just crush it and be able to step up to the start line. And, um, yeah, but I think like everyone's, you know, so nervous and stuff and it's such a stacked field. And I, I couldn't jump more at this opportunity of being able to be there. Like, like you said, like I've missed a lot of things. Um, and I, I know a lot of people have, but it finally clicked and it worked and came together and I get to be on that start line and just like, yeah, I'm ready to like have some fun and take in every moment and just really, really love being out there um and see what i can do <laughs> i mean if you if you have success there you know how many people are going to be doing 100ks in january february april in their lead up <laughs> to, to lead up <laughs> well my biggest suggestion would do one of the first two and then the last one like the emily states plan or plan. whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah. I mean, well, that's I'm, the nice thing is I have a lot of training under my belt. So yeah, I mean, you don't really even have to run until, uh, right. States. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I, I just have one last question and we'll try to follow up and stay in touch, obviously. Cool. Um, what are plans beyond States? Did I hear correctly that you might do a UTMB type race? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm signed up. Um, and I think actually a lot of like a few races are on the calendar still because entries from 2020, you know, carried over. So I don't actually know what's open or on the, on the cards. So you're doing a hundred K a month. hundred K <laughs> a month. Yeah. Just keep it up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So UTMB is on the cards. We're just waiting to hear like what happens with races or, and also just playing by ear, um, which race I do do at UTMB, just, you know, following the body and, um, I have huge respect for what it's got me through and definitely having that, you know, being on strength routines and things like that is a big part of training. Like 
running is an important part, but it's not everything. Um, goes hand in hand with recovery. And have, have you done any races out there, like near Chamonix? Where did I race? I went out there for my birthday one year and just played in the mountains with my mom. Um, nice. uh, I think the closest one was Val d'Isere, which is a few hours from there, but still in France. I mean, again, I'm middle of the pack at best. CCC is a really good kind of first taste type race. Cool. If you can get into that one, um, because in the following year, you're like, oh, I already know 75% of this, you know, for the most part. Yeah. The weather is mm-hmm. crazy, but it yeah. sounds like <laughs> sounds like that race is definitely up your alley. So cool. I mean, <laughs> very last question, and I appreciate all your time. What are you this doing awesome. to get prepared for the heat? My friend Matt Daniels tried mm. some things back in 2019. I don't think he passed out. He, he might have passed out during heat training. Are you doing <laughs> anything like? extreme to get prepared for the heat because it's probably going to be a pretty hot year yeah um so my coach has you know a game plan which i'm gonna follow <laughs> um but yeah i'm protocol? sure that I'm, like official. yeah protocol yeah <laughs> he's got this nailed <laughs> he says you, you know you trust old coaches for a reason he's not old but <laughs> he'll say that he's had a lot you know of experience and knows what he's doing and obviously had success before and so i'm uh, just kind of trusting him but i love being outside especially in the heat of the day so that is a good start um, i'm sure i'll have to like layer up and um take some more fluids and things like that but yeah and your background from zimbabwe zimbabwe um mm-hmm. <laughs> it might help correct i mean the temperature there yeah a lot of times you don't see giraffes in snow. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would think it's kind of in your blood a little bit. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I love the sunshine and the heat. So this is actually the fun time for me. And when someone says go train in the heat, I'm like, yippee. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay healthy. Um, Thank you. Can't wait to see, probably see you out at States and cool. just enjoy it. I, it's a hundred mile race. So go out as hard as you can on that first climb. <laughs> Blow out those quads too as quickly as possible. But, but, you know, congrats on not giving up and just knowing that you're going to get somewhere and getting there. So really excited for you. Thank you so much. I love chatting about it and sharing. Um, yeah. Thank you for your time. Where, where can people follow you on social media? Just Emily Holgood. I think on Facebook, there's like two Emily Holgoods, but you'll know which one's me. And then Instagram, just, I think it's Emily Holgood too. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. That was episode 168. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Emily for taking so much of her time. She's just super inspiring and a good reminder to never give up on your dreams. You know, you, you give up that second try when you give it your all maybe you get it on your third try. So I'm just really excited to see Emily and her performance at Western States. And then big shout out to Exoskin. You know, if you want to use my promo code T, the number for you 20, feel free. Just high quality, high tech materials. Really enjoy Exoskin and their support of my video work and podcasts and running in general. 
And big thank you to Patreon supporters. Couldn't do this without you guys. So most importantly here, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. I'll leave you Patreon supporter names here at the end. Have a great week. Thanks.